This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer! Richard! How are you? I am actually amazing. I had a great um, work week. Really? Tell us everything that happened. Well, I guess you can't. I can't, but it was amazing. <laughs> Someone made me appreciate the Day of the Dead. You would think oh. that I would have, like, I was so inspired by an event that I did a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Um, and it was so amazing. And this person, who pretty much everybody knows, but we won't mention, um, said to me, she said that there was problems in the house when they first got it. Okay, there's this big house in Beverly Hills. And she said, she started making this wall of all of her ancestors. And this wall is just, I showed you a picture of it. Yeah. Unprecedented, because she didn't want her children to forget where they came from. And she said, the second I made that wall, nothing bad has happened in the house. Everything went away. And she goes, we had a snake infestation. She goes, everything went away. And it was just- You mean a- the relatives scared all the snakes away? I love that. I guess Boom. so. It's actually really cool. It made, it made me have a whole new appreciation for the Day of the Dead. And I always did, but I was able, I did work a long time. I worked from two o'clock that afternoon till 11 p.m. That was a long day. Yesterday, I right. didn't very much because I was actually spent. But anyway, it was it was actually pretty fascinating. Well, in our in our work we've had a couple of references to that pixar movie you know the day of the dead about the little kid yeah. who plays a guitar yeah what's that called oh my gosh stop it coco coco thank you so yes i i know what you mean i mean uh my son was asking me about halloween the other day like where'd that come from well you know historically there's that thing of the whole holiday eve and etc cetera, etc cetera. and of course latin culture has done it I don't know if you've ever driven around cemeteries uh, like I would. Well, uh, cemeteries are actually my favorite place to be because no dead people hang out there. That's right. It is but, the calmest. I love it. But go ahead. Yes. But around the holiday season, you find a lot, a lot of Latin cultures put out blankets and they have a barbecue on the plot of where their loved one is residing. And so they can talk to the memory of that loved one. I mean, it's yeah. something that, you know, my parents never would have done. But, you know, it's a great way to go and commune and chat. Even though they're not there, you're accessing the memory of them. Well, it actually, so what it did for me is that, and this is something I think the whole reason why I brought it up was, if you feel like, you know, you're stuck in your house or you're stuck somewhere, start, like, make yourself like your own little shrine or your own little gratitude for your ancestors that have done so much for us to be here at this time in our lives. It's a great point. Where you are. And so it really occurred to me, like just her saying that, um, and I'm sure she, she actually won't mind. It's Jessica Alba. Um, she said she, I could say it. She was actually kind of funny about it. Um, but it is something that it is not only inspired me because I have pictures of my grandparents and everything, but it inspired me to do more, like more work and checking things out. And, you know, the Mormons have the market on that. <laughs> That's right. Ancestry.com is they their are. day of the dead. Times their, of, in a multiple. Yes. They baptize for the dead, you name it. So anyway, I'm not making fun of it, but I actually feel like if you feel stuck, do something, change it, like change change, it. make it like a little shrine of people that you love that you used to talk to. Well, this could be a topic for us to chat about, which is we've had this conversation. Uh, I know via Luana, Um, But that idea that photographs are almost like portals. So if you're, you have a photograph of a loved one, 
you're you've frozen their frequency outside of time because of course it's a magnetic thing that's you know printed on paper but all the little atoms and all the little energy or the slice of the hologram of that time period is within the photograph so right as much as we just think of it oh it's a picture of me and the, and I'll tell you the, the way I came upon it was when I did I had an experience of being out of body and I was I saw myself I felt myself like floating around the universe but I was aware that I, wherever somebody had a photograph of me, like even as a little kid, I could instantly move there. And so I was like zipping around the planet, like my aunt's attic, you know, where there was a box of photographs. And I right. thought, oh, this is really strange. Like who knew I would be in somebody's wallet, you know? And it was like, I could use it almost like a portal. So yeah. that idea of what you're saying, put up a photograph and it becomes like this portal to them. So it was interesting too, that just refreshed my memory on, I had a, a somebody that I think, you know, Tim Blair, and he would not mind me saying this. He yeah. books an appointment like every six months and he really doesn't need to because he's so connected. He's so connected to his wife. Well, yeah. Connected to his wife and it's so beautiful, but he sees, like he said something about a photograph. He showed, he actually showed me a photograph and he goes, I can actually put myself there. Well, oh, that's great. Dirt and the leaves. Goes, so this is another thing that I want to tell you. Put yourself in that picture. What do you pick up? Don't judge it. Sit down with it. Look at the picture. Can you feel like get immersed with it? Do you, you know, if it's at the beach, can you feel the sand? It can bring you back to that frequency that you were just discussing in the picture. And he took it just a step further, which was so, thank you, Tim. That was just, it was a beautiful thing that he said. It was it, Tim uh, writes a little bit about it on the forum, uh, Hacking the Afterlife on Quora, about his wife and his experience where, you know, he spent about a year or so, I, I think, of his life really sort of in depression because he had lost his closest friend, his best friend. Oh my gosh, and, yeah. and he was doing his best to sort of focus on, you know, trying to, where is she, that sort of thing. And then one day I remember him saying, writing to me and said, you know, I was walking along the beach or in out out in the sand somewhere desert might have been but he suddenly she was there she was like with him walking side by side and he felt her arm and since then they've been sort of really enhancing that conversation now some people you know they'll talk about well you need to move on well that that is true you you have to live your life you may find somebody else to be in love with so Go i ahead. just so i actually just got this like you so when I ask them, I'm like, do because I always ask the same questions, even just to see if the answers are still the same. But this answer was yes, move on into nostalgia. Like my dad Bingo. said. That's something Bingo. that I didn't think about that I was just given. Like move on to nostalgia. Start because that's just gonna help you bring up your your frequency within yourself. Okay, whether it makes you happier or not, but it takes you out of that deep grief. And you know, don't try to get out of the grief, just learn to coexist with it. And eventually it's eventually just gets a little better. And yeah. for those tuning in for the first time or the last, as I'm fond of saying, I love um, <laughs> we were talking to Jennifer's dad and because she was overcome with grief, talking to him, thinking about him. I just thought, well, here's somebody on the flip side that I can ask this specific question to. How do we help people with grief? And and he said very succinctly, uh, help them move from grief to nostalgia. 
And I remember I said, what's that mean? And you, Jennifer, said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, let's ask the fellow who said it. And then as you listen to him, he explained to you, he said, grief is only sad memories, but nostalgia has both sad and happy memories. And when you can move grief to nostalgia, you begin the healing process. I remember him saying it just that way. So yeah. that's not for everybody. It's not a, a formula, but it can help people who are experiencing grief and they need to get to the next step. Go, go into, they don't want you to have pictures of their last few days. Like my dad's like, change that picture. Cause I would get so sad when I looked at this picture, Colby Rebel actually gave me um, some, a frame that says, I love you to the moon and back. And she gave me a picture and it was a beautiful picture, but my, every time I looked at it, I got sad. Cause he was, I knew that. that yeah. It was like just before he crossed. Yeah. And so he's like, change the picture. And he showed me the picture to change <laughs> to. and I changed it. And I've been happy ever since. Well, and another thing from the other side that we can take with us, like, don't look at a sad picture of them being in the hospital or them being like, if you, because that no matter how far away you are from their death, it's going to bring you back to that moment in time where you were sad and you were grieving before they even left. Right. right. Right, right. And and we've talked about this as well. And let's bring in Luana into our conversation. But that idea of when you want to imagine the loved one on you know the other side, let them give you an image of themselves. And it might be, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, whatever that is. Lou. I, I was just after I'm like, did you guys do that? You already knew I was talking to her. Of course. I'm like, did you I'm like, did you guys do that? Because if we had I had technical difficulties and I never do, but it was out of my control because of the Wi-Fi at my office, which is yeah. no longer. So I'm tethering from my phone, hoping that it stays. Um, but she's like, no, shit just happens. That's what <laughs> she, said. she didn't say shit just happens. Just okay, happens. we like that. Sorry. So, all right. Well, Lou. <laughs> Uh, you have the floor. I know we have a we don't have a lot of time today, but Lou, have you brought somebody? Or is there something you want to chat about? The Day of the Dead. The it's Day so of the Not So Dead. I actually, because I actually think that I'm saying it, but she's just like, no, I told you. Like they give me stuff. <laughs> I actually sometimes think I'm thinking it, so I want to take credit for it. But she goes, no. no. <laughs> we tap that in there. Honoring. It's so another thing. She's just thank you. She's saying, honoring those people that are dead. What would you do? Like I made sure I worked out because my dad loved to work out when he was there. He loved to run a ton of miles. He just, and that was my way of honoring my dad, you know? Um, well, Lou, I've talked about this sometimes. If you working. think of, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and working. I worked the longest day I've worked in a while. which was <laughs> 12 hours. Well, that'll keep your mind up stuff. But that idea of uh, going to the place that they loved now, for example, over my shoulder is this forest path. I, I pulled it offline. It's just a beautiful picture. But let's say that you had a forest path that you used to walk with your loved one. If you physically go there to the woods or to the beach or to the place they love to sit and watch the sunset and sit there and think about them, it's a way of helping their frequency to be stronger, to answer your questions or just to converge with you. Is that correct, Lou? That is correct. But what it does, their frequency is always strong. It's our frequency that needs to be stronger. I see. So it's, thank you. It's just like at nighttime, sometimes I could see so much energy usually around the full moon that it's hard for, it's challenging for me to get to sleep. And so I say, can you guys please leave me alone? And that's usually the last thing that I remember. And I just, I'm out, but 
they don't leave me alone. My mind shuts it off. Okay. They're still there. Just like, so they're always, hold on. It's us. Thank you. I just wanted to verify. It's us tuning in. It helps our frequency match theirs. Right. They're just there filing their nails, waiting for you to wake up. Yep. They're like, come back. Okay. And she wants to, thank you. Okay. The fact that they're supposed to be moving on. We have moved on, which means that we're always there. Mm. So the other side, they're saying, that was so, okay, say it again. Thank you. We have moved on so we can help the people in your dimension. So from earth to there, that means they've moved on, right? Right. Well, that idea that they've shifted. They do so much more over there. Over there. Their energy has moved on and has shifted. It's not that they're connecting with you because they're sad or lonely or unhappy or they miss you. It's because they can connect with you. And what and you're the one who's creating the sad, unhappy memories. And they're just there. They're just trying to be there to talk to you or chat with you, have a conversation with you. Oh, that's so funny. I'm like, are we holding you back? And she goes, Yes, you're holding us back if you don't remember to talk to us and hold our memories in your heart. And what about that idea of of sort of, you know, people have been doing this and talking about it in okay. films. They said they're high, their higher selves. So they're high, like our higher selves are doing things anyway. They're not, even though it's tethered to us, they could be doing everything. We don't hold our loved ones back. We make, th- we bring them. Th- Thank you. We make them more alive by holding them in our hearts. Okay. And so that idea of allowing yourself to focus on people that are not here, but at the same time, well, but people do get caught up, you know, because they're thinking. You have to live your life. You have to live your life. You have to live your life. And they feel like, you know, all I can do is, you know, then they do this thing. It's it's the other way around. They feel that sometimes they're holding us back. Interesting. And I've heard that as well. I mean, there's also some cultures. I know it's a, a Native American tradition in, in one particular tribe where they would gather and burn all the clothing of somebody who had died. The idea is to send those items that still retain their energy off into the ethers so that they could go back to the happy hunting ground, let's say. That idea of, but of course, those things that are still exist that, you know, like a ring or a watch or a scarf that you pick up and you say, well, I I'm thinking of my loved one because they owned this and their energy is still connected. So Lou, talk about that a little bit. How, how is your energy still connected to a piece of jewelry that you used to own? It's a frequency as well. So the, the, the ring, let's say it's Adam's agreeing to hold space. Hold on one second, because a ring could be owned by multiple owners, right? It could be sold, bought, whatever, or a diamond, She's saying that it's whatever that ring means to you creates that frequency that connects to them. 
So you, so let's just say you're holding a ring that your loved one owned and 10 other people owned, but yeah. that your loved one owned it at some point. And so the ring yeah. itself, does that have the frequency or are you recalling that or is, or are they tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Think it's always it. you. It's always you. It's always okay. you. And so, so that's interesting because I think the ring, because if I hold, listen, when I work on pretty yeah. big, well, you know, I work on big cases. So when I work on cases, if it's a mother that, you know, if a child's lost and it's like the first 24 hours, I will ask for a piece of clothing Yeah. because I feel I need it. I don't really need it, but it just helps me like the focus, the focus. Correct. That's it. So I guess, and this goes back to this question of frequency uh, and about tone like a musical frequency uh it's pythagoras who first uh noticed that a string on a guitar a lyre or lyre whatever they called them that was like how everything exists in the universe and it's michio kaku the physicist who said you know string theory string theory everything is a vibrating string and that becomes music of the universe right. and so that idea of each thing has a frequency whether it's a guitar in a string or your mother. And that frequency, if you're plucking it or tapping it or become aware, becoming aware that it's being plucked because you're seeing something they own. So you're tapping into that frequency. Is that correct? So that's a way, I mean, how about this? Listening to a song that your loved one used to listen to. Would that be another way? Yeah, my dad just put a song in my head when you said that and it like, was like what eyes, that song oh blue eyes i don't know it's a country western song my dad was a cowboy okay. he loved his hat like cowboy hats and his boots i'm like dad what do you mean you're a cowboy <laughs> well and you know that era that time that's very cool uh, i can sing it. i can sing it in my head but i don't know what the well, I just wanted to share something with our audience, which is the, that I don't know if people are aware of it, but they had this prize, the, the Bigelow Prize for uh, somebody who would, you know, prove that consciousness still goes on. And they announced the list a couple of days ago. Oh, and yeah, it yeah. has, there's about 20 people in there. All, most of them are all PhDs. Most of them are doctors. Um, uh, Jeffrey Long is there in there. A number of people. I think the grand prize $300,000 winner was a, a PhD. He's been doing it his whole life, you know, sort of accessing the flip side, accessing this information. But there are two people that I know on the list. One is, uh, is Bruce Leiniger. And Bruce's son is the boy that people have written books about, uh, uh, that he remembered a lifetime as a World War II pilot. Yeah. And, and the father yeah. took the time, whatever, 10 years of his life, digging up all the veterans that his son knew in his previous lifetime and filming that and doing all that stuff. So that was really nice that they honored him for all that work that he did. But the other one was a doctor uh, from, or a PhD from Harvard that your buddy Rich happened to do an interview with the day before. What? So, yeah, so I mean, just we're trying to, and I want Luana to weigh in about this if she can. But here we, here I am. I got an email from this guy. She who, just said there's no coincidences. That's so, the first she said. Well, and so I get this email from a guy who's been reading our forum, Hacking the Afterlife, on Quora. 
And he's by the way, congratulations, 25 million views. <laughs> I, I, it could be one computer just watching it continually. It's possible. But anyway, um, but my point is, is that, and of course, they're viewing it and they could all be saying, you know, get that out of here. But anyway, at some <laughs> point, this young PhD candidate from Harvard was viewing it and he was seeing what I was talking about in terms of how the University of Virginia has all this research, how consciousness exists outside the brain. And so he reached out to me and we had set to have a conversation maybe in a couple of weeks, but then he said, well, I'm free. This was last Sunday, I'm free. So we had this three hour conversation where he shared with me his, the experiments that he's doing. Oh, they're fascinating. It's great because he's a neuroscientist and he's dealing with, you know, hard evidence, you know, mm -hmm. how to examine stuff. And at some point he said, you know, tomorrow's the Bigelow Prize announce, you know, they, they're going to be announced. And I was like, oh, well, you know, that's cool. But I realized today that had he won, which he did the next day, the whole conversation would have been different. You know, at, at that point, we were just having a conversation about the flip side, about what I've learned. He's talking about his life and his journey and what he learned. So that was a fascinating, uh, you know, journey. Because now that he's won his prize, that would have altered our conversation. It wouldn't have been, you know what I mean? Because he win the, the. Well, there's there's two grand prize winners, and the rest get the same amount. It's like twenty thousand dollars, something like that. So you know, it's a, a big chunk of change, and you're one of the winners of the Bigelow Prize. Uh, you know, which will help his research. Yeah. So what? So our friend Stephanie Arnold was a part of that too, but she didn't. She didn't make it. But if they base it upon personal experiences versus having a PhD and studying it, I well, what are you going to do? You know, they it was a the panel of judges were all PhDs, so generally you're going to give it to, you know what I mean? I I, know, I just meant through experiences, like yeah, they, no, that's true. And there is a list of all the winners, and you can find you can take a look at it. But whatever, my point is only. I just thought it was this odd coincidence. And as Luana said, well, there is no coincidence. But Lou, you must have been aware of the conversation that uh, Akila W. and I had. What was your impression of that conversation? Jennifer doesn't know anything about it. He says, she says it got you to be quiet. <laughs> Listen. No, she says that you took him. Hold on. you actually took him into a memory or into a past life, she says. And it felt like two of them. All right. I don't want to go into that because, you know, he's a scientist and I, I don't want. Personal, but she says that you also <laughs> opened up his mind that would have been totally different. So the difference of that versus if he, you know, if he knew that he won would have been probably the difference. Right? Completely different. And, you know, you remember when you introduced me to your friend, uh, we did that podcast together. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and the, and he's a skeptic, right? Dr. Drew. Yeah. And, and during our podcast, I did that thing of, you know, just asking him, well, let's talk to your guide. Let's go see your counsel. Let's go have that conversation. It didn't change Dr. Drew's opinion about the afterlife. He still considers it not to be something that's concrete. He also thought that I had somehow hypnotized him while we were doing with the conversation. Seven people, with seven people in the room, <laughs> by the way. Exactly. But it's in the film Hacking the Afterlife. So anybody can watch that and get a, an example of what Luana's talking about. Because we did have a little bit of an adventure in that area. 
and I won't go into details, but it was fun. It was, yeah. and it was quite insightful. And, if, and he said the same thing Dr. Drew said afterwards, which was something along the lines of, I feel like I made that all up. And you have to allow that that's possible. But as I pointed out to him, the stuff he made up, if he was making it up, was not stuff that you would make up. You know, if you're accessing previous lifetimes or people on the, you know, outside your conscious mind, you would think that you would pick avatars that you like, you know what I mean? Right. Or well, people that should be around. What I find interesting is that I actually have started doing what you do. Somebody wanted to know about their counsel and I'm like, okay, let me take you to your counsel. And I just winged it like you did. And it was fascinating. That's great. And what did you learn? I learned that um, every council member is different and serves a different purpose. And, and, you know, I don't know. And some of them, some of them felt very familiar to them. And I just let them explain, like I let them explain. You know, like, exactly. So and in this case, and this has happened before in many cases where I, I'm talking to someone that I've just met and they're accessing their council. And I ask the council members, are you familiar with me? I mean, it sounds like an egocentric question. No, the, I actually, I actually asked the same question and they showed me they were familiar with you. But I mean, and sometimes though, in the, in the same council, people sitting next to each other on the council, uh -huh. One will say, yo, yeah, Rich, we're very familiar with you. And the next one will say, no, who are you? They must be assigned so many souls. Well, know? I mean, I, you know, it's, and then also you find out that council members represent many people, not just one. There might be hundreds or thousands. And that's the other question I ask council members. How many people are, do you represent? And right. some say 10, some say hundreds, some say thousands. Lou? Yeah. So what do you... I know I don't have Jennifer too, for too long, but what do you else do you want to talk about the Day of the Dead? Or the Day of the Not-So-Dead? Interesting. She says, honor who you are within your, with, within the loved ones that have, that are no longer on this plane of existence. So. What does she mean? Think about all the hard work you've done to get to where you're at in your life, like you're honor that when you honor them by honoring who you are, you're honoring your ancestors. So if you consider the love that you might have for yourself and let's say for the choices that you made and have gone through and endured to become the gem or the diamond that you are in life, if you look back at all the forces of pressure that helped you become that diamond, it may include your loved ones. It may include your genetic code over many lifetimes, whatever that has been. It may have include your sociological choices, where you live, the kind of journey. But also these people that specifically, when you start to, like Luana, for example. Now, I met Luana when she was in her, in her late 30s. And we were together for 20 years. So I only know that one slice of her life. I mean, consciously there's other slices of her life that i've heard about or that she talked about or i met people who knew her then and then because of this work i get access to those memories i get access to those people who knew her as a child and then we have this weird thing of accessing previous lifetimes 
Right. And what that journey was like. And so when you honor the one you loved in the Day of the Dead, consider honoring them over many lifetimes. And how all of those journeys led up to you, right. Jennifer. <laughs> Something like that. It's all pretty, right. It's pretty amazing. She just, hold on. She says, we are always here whether you know it or not. It's irrelevant. She says, enjoy us, talk to us because we can hear you. But let us know when you're struggling so we can help you. That's how we, that's how the universe makes coincidences happen. Well, a person might ask, what are you doing? Like if they're struggling and you're their guide or somebody, what else are you doing that would make it so you aren't aware that they're struggling, that they have to ask? They feel more connected when they ask. So when you're struggling, you might not know that we're helping. But when you ask, just like when I ask for names, that's how I work. I'll say, give me your name, give me a name and give it, give me what the association is to you. Um, that's just how I work. It's giving them permission. It's you giving them permission as well as me asking who that person is. And I only need a first name. I don't need, you know, whatever that, and that's, that's just, it's more direct and it actually helps. They get what they need. Everybody gets what they need out of it. But anyway, yeah mean to say that. Well, um, I think it's important what you're saying, because you said, you know, say their name. So it's, it's not like, oh, guides and teachers and loved ones help me. I mean, specifically, be specific. Yeah. Uncle Mr. Pete. Dad, I need you to help me. Yeah. And Betty, I need your help. My dad's like my little, my little angel and devil, like on my shoulder. Cause I'm like, is it okay if I do this? And he'll give me something funny to show me how crazy it is that I think this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to choose from but it's actually very it's um i don't know it's really funny i just i feel very grateful to do this work and i love the clients that i get from cora and get from this podcast um i love how excited they are about what you have taught them and what you write about richard and how much it's helped them i can't tell you how many people tell me how much you've helped them so well i try to say i, I can't take credit for any of it because well, I can't, I can't take credit for any of it. I can take credit for being the space that provides it. Bingo. And I'm, a, I'm the nudge who asks questions because I don't, I, I consider all answers to be worth asking. I mean, why not? Why not? The worst that they can do is say, I'll see you next week on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. We love you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Sorry for the shortened podcast, but blame the Wi-Fi. We love right. you. Okay. Love you. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.